Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and everything in between. They also have an extensive library of podcasts, which I highly suggest checking out after this episode here. Now on to today's episode itself. Now last week we wrapped up the whole Texarkana thing. Well, wrapped it up as best we could anyway. However, today we're going to shift gears and go back to kind of the origins of this podcast. Play on words, get it? Ominous origins? Anyway, we're going to take a look at a supernatural being from the Slavic regions. And she's called the Baba Yaga. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Most people familiar with, well, modern pop culture nowadays are probably familiar with the Baba Yaga from John Wick, who they called Baba Yaga, or Ant-Man, where the one character kind of goes into a little diatribe about the Baba Yaga from his childhood, the evil witch that would steal children or whatever the story was in that iteration. But today we're going to look at just who or what the Baba Yaga is and what she represents. Now, a lot of this information will come from ancientorigins.net. It's a great resource. I use it all the time. And most of the time, they're just so good that I don't need to change a whole lot. So I'm giving them a shout out. And this is where the citations come from. The article here starts with the Baba Yaga as an ambiguous and hideous anomaly. She's a character who represents both a maternal mother nature figure and an evil villain who enjoys eating those who fail to complete her tasks. Though the origins of her name are unclear, as her purpose tends to be, it is believed that Baba means something akin to old woman or grandmother, while Yaga has conflicting theories of meaning ranging from snake to wicked. Regardless, even Baba Yaga's name emphasizes the strangeness of her person, making her an interesting character to decipher. The most common portrayal of Baba Yaga is either one of an old woman or a trio of old sisters, all of whom are depicted as skinny with iron teeth and noses so long that they touch the ceiling when they sleep. Think of kind of like a hag sort of creature. Uh, they're not quite the same, but we're in the same ballpark. Now, the Baba Yaga is commonly illustrated as riding around on a mortar rather than a broom, wielding a pestle as both a flying aid and a wand. Tales involving her usually take place at her hut. It is found deep in the woods, standing on magical chicken legs with a rooster's head on top. Legend says her hut is surrounded by a fence made of human bones. So if there's one place you don't want to go, it's inside of a chicken hut with a rooster head, surrounded by human bones? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a hard left at that one, but you do you. If you want to go check that out, by all means. Now, inside her hut, heroes usually encounter her stretching across a cooking stove. The enormous stove itself reaching from one side of the hut to the other, subtly emphasizing her size and magic. The stove is another common detail in Tales of the Baba Yaga as the punishment for failure of certain tasks is fated with being cooked 
and eaten. Think Hansel and Gretel. Lots and lots of stories inspired by the Baba Yaga. Now, despite her ambitious appetite, the Baba Yaga is always portrayed as skinny and bony, with her own epithet of the bony one. Now, as I stated at the beginning, she has been both described as like a motherly, maternal, mother nature type of person or a creature, but to others, she's a villain. So what exactly is the Baba Yaga? Well, we're never really going to know, but there are some theories. Now, the characterization of the Baba Yaga is where much of the uncertainty surrounding her comes from. She varies between acting as a benefactor and a villain, either helping the hero of this Slavic myth or hindering him or her, though it appears she never goes after anyone unprovoked. That is to say, without the person at least coming to the door of her hut, the one surrounded by human bones which you should avoid at all costs. She appears to follow little or few morals. Nevertheless, whatever promise she makes to the hero after his completion of her task, she does indeed keep. Most of the prominent stories about the Baba Yaga are not about her directly, but about heroes who encounter her, which is a typical story trope. If she's the villain, she's just gonna be there, whereas the main character is always the hero. I don't make the rules, I just follow them. In one story featuring the Baba Yaga, Vasilisa the Beautiful. Vasilisa is a Cinderella-type character with a magical doll whose mother died and father remarried a horrible woman with equally unkind daughters. When Vasilisa's father goes away for a trip, the new stepmother sells their house and moves her and the three girls to a cottage in the woods, giving the daughters impossible tasks to complete by candlelight. It is when Vasilisa ventures out of the house at the demand of her stepsisters to find more light that she encounters Baba Yaga, who presents numerous difficult chores to Vasilisa in exchange for a fire to take back to her household. With the aid of the doll, Vasilisa completes all the tasks given, and is indeed given a fire in a skull lantern which incinerates her horrible new family upon returning home. Inevitably, Vasilisa's story ends on a happy note, with her wedding the Tsar of Russia, but it is the Baba Yaga's role in that tale that is most intriguing. In the story, Baba Yaga acts as an obstacle for Vasilisa as well as a savior, as without the lantern, Vasilisa would never have been able to free herself from her cruel stepfamily. So it's kind of a moral thing where, you know, if you work for it, you don't just want it for free, you put in the effort, you get rewarded, in this case, by murdering an entire family. Anyway, however, the way in which the Baba Yaga frees her is terrible, revealing her as an unmoral, dangerous woman. Again, you can kind of think of this as like a genie. If you're not specific enough with your wishes, well, <laughs> terrible things happen, at least in popular culture, anyway. I don't know. I've never experienced a real genie yet. Unlike the fairy godmother, though, from Cinderella, the Baba Yaga appears more like a wicked stepmother who allows her daughter to cut off her own foot so it will fill the glass slipper. Baba Yaga goes to extraordinary lengths to free Vasilisa, instigating three painful deaths, as well as causing Vasilisa much grief before letting her leave the hut, rather than merely helping Vasilisa escape her stepfamily. That's like a chaotic, neutral... Chaotic evil, if you're playing D&D. Chaotic something, anyway. I don't know if it's chaotic good, but I mean, some good came from it. It was chaos, though. 
So that was an example of the Baba Yaga as a villain. So what about as more of a motherly figure? The Baba Yaga is also cast as a mother figure or a mother earth figure having an influence on the natural world through three of her servants as witnessed by Vasilisa. Twice Vasilisa sees three riders, the first white, the second red, and the third black. Upon asking who they were, Baba Yaga replies that they are the day, the sun, and the night, respectively, each controlled by her, each a servant of hers. In this instance, the reader can see the span of Baba Yaga's power, further implying that she could have used much greater means in the dismantling of Vasilisa's terrible family situation, but she chose not to. In another story of the Baba Yaga, this one involves some peasant children, and again the victims of a cruel stepmother. I'm starting to see a theme in the Slavic regions. It's very bad to get remarried, apparently. In the tale, the children are sent to Baba Yaga to be rid of, but they manage to escape the witch's hut through the help of the animals, plants, and objects that Baba Yaga neglects. A black cat helps them escape because they fed him when the witch doesn't. A gate closes Baba Yaga off from the rest of them because she never tends to it, and even the trees of the forest attempt to stand in her path because of a similar mistreatment. Thus the children return home in one piece, Baba Yaga forfeiting her search when it grows too difficult. Again, this tale ends happily with the stepmother thrown out and the father protecting his children, and again, Baba Yaga's role is one of an obstacle. She might otherwise have not bothered the children if they had not bothered her first. Though it wasn't really the children that bothered her, it was the stepmom who sent them there in the first place, so it should be on her, but that's neither here nor there. Despite being considered a deity akin to Mother Nature, the natural world turns on her because of their suffering at her hands. Again, this evidence is why scholars still find her so difficult to place in any one category and why she ranges through so many. It is because of the elusive nature of her character that Baba Yaga remains such an intriguing, mythical individual, and continues to be discussed and researched by scholars. She adds a level of mystery and uncertainty to each of the tales she takes part in, as the reader is uncertain until her final action, and whether it will be villainous or redemptive. Though this dilemma of whether she is good or evil is only one of many considerations, it lays the basis for her analysis through Slavic literature. Now while the Baba Yaga is kind of unique to the Slavic regions, it's not the only old witch type woman to exist in folklore. It seems that a lot of different places around the world, a lot of different cultures, do have their own version of the Baba Yaga, and I mentioned it earlier in the form of a hag. Now in some folklore, the hag or the old hag was a nightmare spirit in English and Anglophone North American folklore. This variety of hag is essentially identical to Old English, Mera, a being with roots in ancient Germanic superstition, and closely related to the Scandinavian Mara. According to folklore, the old hag sat on a sleeper's chest and sent nightmares to him or her. When the subject awoke, he or she would be unable to breathe or even move for a short period of time, aka sleep paralysis. Many stories about the hag seem to be used to frighten children into being good. The Northern English Peg Powler 
For example, was a river hag who lived in the River Tees and had skin the color of green pond scum. Parents who wanted to keep their children away from the river's edge told them that if they got too close to the water, she would pull them in with her long arms, drown them, and even eat them. This type of nixie or neck has other regional names such as Grindelo, which is a name connected to Grendel, Jenny Greenteeth from Yorkshire, and Nellie Longrooms from several English counties. However, it is important to note that many tales about the hags do not describe them well enough to distinguish between an old woman who knows magic, or a witch, or even a supernatural being. Ireland and Scotland also have their own version of the hag, called the Caliach, and is a hag goddess concerned with creation, harvest, the weather, and sovereignty. In partnership with the goddess Breed, she is a seasonal goddess, seen as ruling the winter months, while Breed rules the summer. In Scotland, a group of hags known as the Storm Hags are seen as personifications of the elemental powers of nature, especially in a destructive aspect. They are said to be particularly active in raising windstorms of spring during the period known as A Kaliach. Hags, as a sovereignty figure, abound in Irish mythology. The most common pattern is that the hag represents the barren land, where the hero of the tale must approach without fear and come to love on her own terms. When the hero displays this courage, love, and acceptance of her hideous side, the sovereignty hag then reveals that she is also a young and beautiful goddess. Tricky, tricky. What if you didn't want young and beautiful? What if you wanted old and hideous? You don't know, everybody's got their own tastes. Don't kink shame, it's fine. Go back, go back to the old hag. Uh, there are two more examples of hags throughout folklore and history. We have the three fates, which are the Greek fates, the thread cutters, who were responsible for, well, everybody's fate in the world. They cut the string, you'd be dead. They dictated your lives in every aspect possible. That is a whole episode on itself, and they are called the Moire. And lastly, we have one person we've talked about a few times in this podcast. At least she's come up a couple of times, and that would be Lilith of the Torah and the Old Testament, the mother of demons. She was once considered, as well, to be a hag. So there you have it. Old witchy women who live in woods and eat children and are kind of ambiguously good and bad at the same time, hence the chaotic aspect of their personality. That's going to do it for me though this week. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the app is called on your phone or computer or wherever. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so it's a great way to get a shout out if that's something you are interested in. It is also spooky season, which means I might be getting a little more active on social media. Yeah, I know, it's crazy, right? You can follow me along on Instagram, where I will be posting some horror-related pictures very soon. I started warming up fairly recently, but you can expect some more in the near future. And that is at Ominous Origins Pod on Instagram there, or on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production. Or, lastly, Facebook at facebook.com slash horrorshots. So, until next time...